One of the final episodes of the Knicks Film School podcast this uh, season. And of course, we'll have some stuff in the off season, but um, the, the countdown officially begins. I think we have uh, four more games now that the Knicks have lost tonight to the Orlando Magic. Um, fun game, spirited game, um, few entertaining moments. And here to talk about it is uh, the most entertaining uh, teenager I know, uh, Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all right. How you you didn't, ex- didn't expect that, that shade, did you? No, no, I didn't actually. No. I was not expecting the teenager route, but I appreciate it. I've been one. saving it all year. <laughs> saving it or using it religiously? <laughs> one, of, one, of the, one of those two things. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> um, all right. So um, you are here to, um, I guess, unofficially talk about the Mario Hazonia game. I, I kind of guess that's what we have to call this, right? Um, which, first of all, what did, did you mind Fisdale making good on, I guess, an apparent promise he made to Mario uh, earlier in the year that he was going to start this game no matter like where he was in the rotation? You know, I was really conflicted when I heard that. And the reason was the first thing that we heard above anything was when he started the season by saying, you eat what you kill. And to me, Luke Cornett killed it last night. Had career high in points. Shooting was on point. His defense, not great. But again, you you take the good with the bad. So when I learned that his only was subbing in for him, it was a little disappointing just in that I, I don't know. I just was hoping that Cornette would be able to keep going, go with the flow, continue. Um, wasn't meant to be, but at the same time, I wasn't uber pissed about it or anything. I know this is personal for his own and promises were made. So I, I'm fine with the decision in the end. It's certainly not something to you know, labor over or criticize too much, but yeah, ultimately sure. I, I think the fact that he actually delivered makes it a little bit easier to, uh, to, Except, yeah, it would. I mean, if he said it, it. I mean, I don't know how you could go back on it. And you know, there's been a lot of criticisms levied at at Fisdale this year. Um, many of them fair, but one thing you can't say is that he, he doesn't have the full support of the locker room. So, you know, what I think that falls under the category of like things you do to make sure you, your guys um, have your back and and they know you have theirs. And yeah. Um, and Mario, I mean, look, he responded. He was 11 to 22 from the field, 29 points, career high, nine re. I think didn't they say he had every every basic um, every major statistical category points, rebounds, assists were like all career high. He had to have more than five assists in his career, right? Did I hear that on the on the? I'm going to look it up. But anyway, what did you? I'm inclined to think he didn't. He he hadn't before. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up right now <laughs> while you talk about. Is this so? Do you watch this and are you like, man, you know, we're going to have, regardless of what happens with the cap space, we're going to have that room exception for almost $5 million. There's going to be more shooting on this team next year, theoretically. I could see maybe Mario working or are you like, F you, 
where has this been all year? Where has this been for your entire career? Which which side are you falling on? Uh, more in the middle, based on I don't think that the mid-level exception makes sense for Mario, just because that would be, in my mind, the Knicks bidding against themselves. I think there should this summer be coming to fruition like we want it to. It would be um, a lot more beneficial to have a proven veteran player as opposed to someone who's just finished his fourth year in the in the majors in the NBA. Um, I thought this was a great game for him, just the fact that it was added motivation. But I wouldn't say that this is the norm by any stretch. I think this was just personal. I don't think every game of the season is personal to him. So I'd say if he wants to come back, there's that minimum contract. Mario, you made a lot more money this summer than you would have probably or should have in a normal situation. <laughs> so uh, maybe you could take a little little bit for the team. So no, I wouldn't say that this um, changes anything. Yeah, I, I think his ship is, has pretty much sailed. Um, I'm just looking it up. Although, I must have mis- misheard Breen because he's had the, – uh, the numbers he had tonight are season highs, but he's had higher rebound totals. He's had um, – higher assist totals it was a career high in points so that's that's true there was a moment there was a moment there i want to say in the third quarter when you had him and i guess it was him and moutier kind of at the you know towards the the top of the the three-point arc on on you know one on one side one on the other they had jenkins in one corner not jenkins yeah jenkins in one corner dotson in the other and then mitch kind of right there in the middle and it was like Oh, okay. We got two ball handlers. You know, both could do some things. And then you had the lob threat, and you had two three-point shooters in the corners. I'm like, that. This looks like a functional NBA offense. And it was like a couple possessions, and then it was gone. Um, like a fart in the wind. Uh, that's that should be the nickname <laughs> of the season, actually. Um, let's talk about Kevin Knox. Um, Kevin Knox. I think Kevin Knox might be okay. What do you think about Kevin Knox, Jeremy? I, I think he was pretty good tonight, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Um, 7 of 13, 21 points. At this point, you're really wondering how much can you ask of him, just based on the fact that he's been playing, what, 72, 75 games almost? It's, it's good quality stuff. I, there are things you want to see him improve upon, but this was okay. This is fine. I... I mean, you know, we were talking about it a little bit before we came on. Um, Howard Beck came out with the piece for Bleacher Report today, which had probably, I guess, the the quote from, well, there's two quotes that will probably get the most play from the piece. One person quoted as saying that they basically think, or I forget if it was one quote or someone saying, like, everybody they talk to thinks that it's going to be Durant and probably Kyrie coming to the Knicks. But then there was the other, I think it was an anonymous executive basically saying that um, <laughs> Kevin Knox is not good. And, you know, it's it just opens up like a larger a larger issue for me. And, and again, I don't I don't blame Beck at all. And I don't think you do either because he's he's just the one getting the quotes. Um, but it's interesting to me how sometimes like narratives get formed and like, yeah, Knox was terrible for January and most of February. But now for over a month, he's been pretty good. In the last several games, he's had like some real moments where it's like, oh my God, this guy actually knows what he's doing out there now. And I just, I, it, I don't know. It just makes me, it makes me feel feelings. Um, does it, does it make you feel 
anything that like his good performance of late is has, was kind of like belittled by this piece that came out today? A little bit. I think if you're taking a full game sample size, just in terms of the ups and the downs, uh, overall, I don't know if I would say it's completely positive, but that's okay. How many rookies are going to have overwhelmingly positive, you know, first seasons? And very few. Um, even even Dodgers, exactly. by the way, is has been struggling of late. Uh, Trey Young started off rough. You know, Sexton mm-hmm. started off rough. Everybody goes through these patches. Exactly. So, you know, I do understand what he's saying. Um, if you're Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, necessarily do you want Kevin Knox to be like your third or fourth piece? Not future Knox, like near present, near future Knox. And I, I don't know if you do. You you might be more interested in other people. But I think what is also being left out of that conversation, whether it didn't make the print or whether it just had, wasn't had, was, okay, well, the odds of Kevin Knox starting alongside those guys, I'd say is actually kind of slim. You can get guys with that exception, with the veteran minimum. There are other ways of, you know, you can make some sort of trade. You can do what needs to be done where you might have someone who's a little bit more NBA ready. So it just felt a little too, um, you know, there's just something about it where it didn't feel like it was really a fair shake. Because there's so much room for him to grow. And you'd like to think that Knox, three years from now, is far superior to what he is now. But granted, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and any other free agents aren't making a decision um, about three years from now. Then yeah. maybe we'll consider it, but the decision they're making will be this summer, and they can only hope for the best. They, there's simply no way of knowing. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm the guy who had the, the piece come out a couple of days ago in which I compared um, Kevin Knox to bad Chinese food. So Which is very well done, very accurate. I appreciate it. But I did it for uh, – the point was basically like – Taking the view that we had in summer league, which was I think we all thought he was like the second coming, um, or I did at least. I was I was, you know, in hook line and sinker. Um, to now let's just like recalibrate our expectations. Like he's going to be a really good scorer, and I I don't know. I actually I'm gonna I don't disagree with you. Usually I'm gonna disagree with you. I think based on what we've seen over the last month and change. I think he's going to be able to start. I mean, the defense is obviously that's that's really the question. But like from an offensive standpoint, he's been so efficient, and he doesn't he doesn't get himself into those like wild. I'm just going to drive down the lane, and hopefully some good happens. And I don't know, maybe we'll see. Right? You know, he, like those things don't happen anymore. It's like he's he's much more within himself, and. Um, Oh man, if he could, and I don't know, I, I didn't even think the defense was that bad tonight. He did have two steals. I didn't think he got abused. Um, you know, no. if he could just get up on shooters, so I, I'm, I'm encouraged. Um, I, I know what I need to ask you. I don't think I've asked you this yet, and it's something I've been thinking about. Um, and we could, and well, no, we have to briefly mention uh, he who shall not be named. Um, but. <laughs> Between Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson, who do you think is the better long-term prospect for the Knicks at this point? I see exactly where you're going with this. Um, I'm, I'm, I have to go, I'm curious. Yeah, no, I, I have to go with Mitchell Robinson. To be fair, though, Mitch Robinson has about two years, a year and a half or so, up on Knox. That's a little hard to compare them at this point in time. Oh, my God. But, did you know Kevin Knox was 19 years old? You know, I... I 
didn't. I actually thought Mitch was 18. And I thought <laughs> Knox was 16 just because he looks so young. And um, yeah. I, I, The reason I have to say Mitch is because I think that there's a lot more that can be done on the offensive side. I, I think that Mitch's strides on offense um, will be greater than or can be greater than Kevin's strides on defense. And I think that Mitch could become a better Defender than Knox could be on offense. Do you think that's um, because? Well, I'm I'm curious about that because I think I think that's interesting. Do you think that's because Knox, just, based on what we've seen so far, you just think he there's like, you just think there's like a ceiling on how good is it? More that you think that there is a ceiling on Knox's defense based on like his skill, like the skill level he'll be able to get up to and his physical attributes, or do you think it's more like? There's so much offensive potential in Mitch that we're not seeing. Which, or do you think it's like a little bit of both? I, I do think it's a little bit of both. I think that if Knox can get stronger this summer, and I'm pretty confident that he can put on weight, that that will only help him on really on both sides of the ball, but especially defensively to be able to hopefully hang with fours a little bit more because that's something that he struggled with this year. Yeah, uh, I, I'd say honestly, when I look at the two. Something about Mitchell Robinson's motor stands out to me a little bit more than Knox's. Again, this isn't, you know, Kevin Knox has no motor, and I know that's something that was a bit of a criticism leading up to the draft. But there's something about when you watch Mitch, he just has this better sense of awareness, and I I feel like he's got this nose for the ball constantly. And it's not that Knox doesn't do that. It's just I don't think he does it quite to the extent. Like, I see Mitch constantly diving for loose balls and – you know, he seems to be everywhere on the perimeter. And with Knox, it just seems like he finds his spots and he's in his grooves where he is. But yeah. there's certain things where he's pigeonholed, not the right word, because there's still time for him to change and to get better. And it's just that I don't see it being as beneficial to him. So I think a lot of the, the more mental makeup is an important factor for Mitch that I just I haven't seen come across with Knox. Uh, yeah, and the one other thing I'll I'll throw in there is and I, I I am still high on Knox. I, I I've said many times I think he's gonna be a multiple time efficient twenty point per game scorer in the league. But if if there really isn't gonna be more of like a playmaking side to him, like slot shot creation slash playmaking side to him, even if he does become extremely efficient on the offensive end and he becomes passable on the on the defensive end. I still think that what he brings is probably more replaceable than what Mitch could bring on defense because I I like if what would if what would odds be that someone would have to give you to to get you like not to bet on Mitchell Robinson winning a defensive player of the year. Like if someone gave me 3 to 1 odds I'm betting that yes, he will win Defensive Player of the Year at one point in his career, right? Like that's not a crazy yeah. bet, yeah. So I, it's like that's yeah. that's his. I mean, it's it's insane his ceiling. Um, and another good game tonight. He it looks like he is going to continue the consecutive, um, consecutive multiple block, um, game streak because they're they still have that two up there on the the box score. So that's good. Um, I can't let the podcast go by without mentioning Moutier. It, where does he rank for you on the list of most frustrating Knicks? 
I know it's I mean, an unfair question to throw on you at the end of a podcasting game, like whatever the fuck this is, 77. But is he like top five for you? Is he top three for you? I think that if we – are you saying based on the players for the entire season or based on the guys who are active and still currently playing? I, I almost want to open it up to like like guys that you have watched for like full seasons and like just – the consistent level of frustration. And I say this as someone who has defended the man and appreciates good things that he does on a nightly basis. And I still think he has to be up in my top. He's definitely in my top five. Um, and I think yeah. he might be in my I mean, top three. He's absolutely in my top three. I'd say based on the, the team as is constructed, he's probably number one. Um, For I this season. Yes, for this season. Although I think that if Tim Hardaway Jr. were still on the team, you could make an argument there just based on the fact that there are far greater expectations with his contract mm. um, and how the ball was constantly in his hands and there were just issues with everything going on. But you could also then say, look at the players around him. And with Moutier, you could kind of say that too. But then you look at, I mean, you can't ignore the fact that after you know a horrible game recently, he went three of thirteen, one of five from three, uh, six eight from free throw line. You know, but then you look at the other parts of the box score. It's like, hey, thirteen seven and ten, and two steals and a block, and only three turnovers this time. Thirteen that's seven and great. ten, and got to the uh, getting but, to the line eight times. Like that's good, you know. But <laughs> I mean, it certainly comes with a caveat of if you were watching the game, he just did not look good. It's several points. Um, like a pick-and-roll situation with Mitch just completely looked him off, and then, of course, it's um, uh, he misses a shot from, like, four feet away. Uh, or the fact that Mike Breen was talking about how the Ma- the Magics really aren't much of a transition team. Yep. And then right after he says that, Moutier gets blocked, falls to the ground. He and Jenkins are the last two guys to come running back. And, <laughs> you know, it takes a few seconds, but then the Magic can – already figure out how to take advantage of any mismatches and Aaron Gordon makes a layup. It's little things like that where he changes dynamics or, you know, just completely throws a terrible pass and all of a sudden everything is, is get back on D. It's just a nightmare to me. So I just feel like he's not, if he's not able to give you winning minutes on a bad team, I don't see how he can do that on a good team, even in a reserve role. I, I just find him way too much of an enigma to have to worry about, especially if this team is good next year. That's and the, it's, yes, yes. Thank it's you. like the devil you know isn't better than the devil you don't. Because when you look at an RPM and there are 101 point guards or so, and he's ranked 80th, it's like, well, yeah, you can certainly find any number of the guys who are ranked ahead of him um, on the list, and, and you can bring them in for cheaper or around the same amount, and you roll with that. It's just the Moody experiment, I think we've tried it, didn't pan out. I don't regret it, but I don't see why I need to stick with it. it. Just doesn't make sense to me. No regret. But I know you're certainly, you yeah. know, certainly more of a defender of him than I am. So I, I will yield my time. I'm, I'm I, I don't want to carry this discussion on for too much longer because I mean, fuck, it's Emmanuel Mudiay, and God, I hope, I, I, I feel bad saying this. I hope he's not on the team next year. I've defended, I've defended the process that. The like the thought process that went into giving him the opportunity, and then like 
that opportunity probably should have ran out sometime in like January, which is, oh, when, you know, Frank Nilakina got hurt. And it's like, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's frustrating. It's, I think it comes down to the fact that the things that he does bad are just so, they're just so, like, the, the pass that he tried to throw into Mitch when Mitch was, like, triple teamed, and Mitch was in no man's land. Like, what, like, mm-hmm. how can you, like, you if you've ever played the game, you don't try to force that pass, and, and yet he does. And, like, end of the third quarter, Terrence Ross has hit back-to-back threes, He is, there's literally five seconds, four seconds, three seconds down on the shot clock. Never in NBA history has a man been more likely to take a three-pointer than Terrence Ross right there at the end of the third quarter. Mm -hmm. And what are you going to do if you're Matt Moutier? I'm going to go under this pick right here. Um, (laughs) No, no, just no. And it's, it's, there's two or three or four, six or eight moments like that every game. And, um... Yeah, I, I, uh, this is like, I don't know, I can't, I just, I can't do it anymore. Well, I still don't, I still understand why Fizdale deviated away from the successful lineup of Neil Aquina, Dotson, Knox, Vonley, and Mitch Robinson, because that was working. The only thing I can think of was if he or if management thought like, hey, it's play this style. is good development. I'm convinced but, it's play style. They wanted... They wanted to start getting the team used to playing with the type of point guard that Moutier, like, again, is like a vague outline of being, except he's not at all that player in reality. That's the only, it's, yeah, I get that. I, it makes sense. And yet at the same time, I feel like, and again, we've had conversations with Fizz, and it doesn't have to go into a big thing. I just feel that with Fizz, I understand his need for play style of athleticism, explosiveness, you know, Go into the paint, look to dish out. I get all that. Which, by I the way, Moody like... doesn't really do a lot of those things very often. But but continue. No, so it's also just like, all right, well, why don't you instead? Um, oh, I don't know. Like, um, see what's working, see what works with your players, and then go from there, and then build a system that's best catering towards the players that you need or that you have and their attributes, and how you can bring out the best. Because my biggest thing is, I don't. It's not that I don't think Fizdale did a poor job with development because you can clearly see it in some no, other he players. Did, he did a very good job. Exactly. Uh, you, can, you, know, you can't just say Frank or Moutier and then say, look, it was terrible. But so it's with that, it's like, well, why couldn't you have figured out ways to carve out better roles for them, to bring out the best in them, to at least try to raise their trade value at absolute worst? You know, it didn't happen. It's, it's really fine in the end. It's not like we have to cry over spilt milk because – Again, there are still players that have seen noticeable improvements over the year. I so I'm I'm cool with that. But I do I I understand what you're saying in terms of play style. Nah, I, I have my last two thoughts on this are, are these. One like you're you're a smart guy. I think you have like some confidence. I'm I'm a fairly confident guy. If you get put in a situation where you are doing literally the thing that like there's only 29 other people in the world that do what you do, which is in the position that Fisdale's in. And you've been praised your entire, I mean, for the better part of the last 20 years at you're really good at this thing. And you get a guy like Moutier with that clear talent. Like, if you're Fisdale, it's natural to be like, oh, I'm going to be able to get, 
I'm going to be able to unlock this dude. And I, I think a lot of it was him just ref, kind of refusing to accept the fact that he couldn't unlock it. And by the time he kind of realized, like, oh, wow, this isn't going to get unlocked, he was kind of out of point guards um, to play over him. Mm-hmm. That's one thought. The other thought is, what if the day of that press conference where, you know, we're going to get you right, kid. What if Emmanuel Moutier was still in fucking Cabo, what is it, Cabo San, San Lucha? Luca? How do, how do you pronounce that? San Lucas, I think. Yeah. Cabo what, San Lucas. Whatever it is. What if he was still sipping a fucking Mai Tai on the beach and he wasn't there? <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I'm good. I'll see him when I get back. Would we have like, Would we have still had this season? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's something that I will, I will probably wonder about uh, moving forward. All right, we we do what we usually do, which is we talk about these these games and this stuff for way too long. Um, anything you want to uh, plug or promote before we go, Jeremy? Um, new podcast for Gotham Sports Networks, nothing but Knicks. I'll probably have some articles coming out eventually, uh, and I say eventually as in you know once we journey into the off season. In addition to, I know you, you've got a three part series, so I'll try to figure out some sort of moratorium or you know eulogy of some sort <laughs> uh, to kind of dig deep see what else is there um write my eul- yeah, no, eulogy that's... after this year <laughs> no seriously i don't know how you did it man I, I i i didn't even get the chance to review every single game and the commitment that you had to it is unparalleled so and to do every single post game podcast and every i mean really hats off to you that is incredible work Really awesome job, dude. Keep, keep your hat on. We don't have to have any hats off. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's off. It's not going. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 been fun. Um, thank you for saying that, though. Well, um, when when do we think that episode of um, of Nothing But Nicks is going to come out so everybody can know when to look for it? Probably on Monday. All right. So I know that the uh, especially with the big game coming up that day, we'll, we'll want to release it before then. Oh, oh, the uh, the you mean the NCAA championship game? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot that was on. I actually have Virginia. I did one bracket. Me and my wife, we we literally we did it just to go against each other. And I do have Virginia winning. I had Virginia beating Duke in the final, so I feel I feel somewhat good about that. I have Texas yeah. Tech in the final four also. So that was there's my wow. there's a feather in my. My yeah. cap, yeah, the cap that you I, have taken uh, I off. Started... No, I mean that's better than I did. I have zero Final Four teams. Um, I had a great first weekend, and then it just all fell down. My uh, my girlfriend actually filled out a bracket, and she did everything randomly without knowing any of the talent except for Duke, because her mom went to Duke before it was the Duke we know of. Got it. And her final score was 146 to 144. So really, I don't think it's going to be that. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to go to quintuple overtime, but we had, we had a good laugh over that. That is pretty solid. Um, all right, man. Um, we, I, I got you for one more of these, right? Yes, sir. One more. I, I can't believe it. All right. Um, I, yeah, what do we say? You're going to come on, on on Monday tentatively? Is that still in the in the cards? The Bulls game. The Bulls game, maybe, yeah. Maybe that that can be their last game, yeah. That could. Hey, listen, they might win that one. Um, yeah that'll be fun alright man Um, thank you and um, 
yeah, everybody out there listening, thanks for tuning in to another episode. We'll be back with you um, with another one uh, this weekend, and then another couple of post games, and then off into the summer we go. All right, everybody enjoy what's left of your week. We'll talk to you soon. Okay.